Thanks for tuning in to this message. My name is Jared Piney. I'm the online pastor here at Pathway, and I'm here with one of our worship directors and online hosts, Maddie Seitz. We hope this message is a valuable resource to you and helps you grow deeper in your faith. If you consider yourself a Christian and this message blesses you, I hope you'd consider giving back to us at Pathway so we can continue connecting all people to Jesus and helping them become his fully devoted followers. Learn more at pathwaychurch.com forward slash giving. And if you decide to take a step in your faith after the message today, simply visit pathwaychurch.com forward slash next so we can help provide you with resources and partner with you in this journey. Well, what a great weekend to be together. I want to welcome everyone at all of our locations as well as those of you who are watching online. And I am super excited today. How many of you are super excited to be in church? Keep that enthusiasm. Some of you, if your neighbor didn't cheer, shake them a little bit right now. They might still be a little bit out of it. But it is going to be an engaging, challenging sermon where we actually get to talk about a place where we all live. And you know, if you're sitting there and you're like, I love, I love when we talk about things that really matter in church. Because these are things that help us live. And that's what the scriptures do, is really teach us how we live. And that's what we're going to talk about today. And the series is called Separation of Church and Hate. And so when you look at our world, I think we could all agree there's a whole lot of hating going on, right? whole lot of hating going on. There's hate when you turn on the news. There's division, and really all of this hate, when we talk about the roots of hate, it is about winners and losers. Because there's two sides to everything, and in the end, when there's an issue that comes out, right, you're on one side, you're on the, they're on the other, and we have enemies, like we don't like each other, and our goal is to be the winner, I think we all would agree we like to be the winner. Because who wants to be a loser? Or as someone told me earlier, a lahu zahur. No one likes to be the lahu zahur. All right? And so for us, that's just real. But you see, we're not going to talk about the hate in this dynamic that is out there. We're going to talk about the hate that is in here. Now, some of you are thinking about, I don't really want to talk about the real stuff now. I'm good with something else. You know, this is hard. It's about the hate that is in the church, and I'm not talking about the church institution. You see, the scriptures teach that the church is the people. The church is us. The church is anyone who follows Jesus. And there's hate in the church. And we have had a great case study for hate in the church this last week. Because the value them both amendment, all of you, you, maybe you're like my family, my wife and I, we went out and voted, and then we waited that night for the results to come in. Because there's winners and there's losers. Right? Is that what you all did? I was like, I wanted to see if my team won. 
Now, if you want to understand better what we believe here at Pathway and what our church family thinks about the issue of abortion, I want to encourage you to go back to last week's message that Pastor Carter shared. It was powerful. And it's something that we all need to understand and hear, and it doesn't apply for how we voted. If you really listen to it, it's about how we live. It did apply how you vote, right? It could have as you listen to God, but it's really about how we live. But we're not really going to talk about that because we're going to talk about this as a case study for hate. Now, I knew saw that the no votes won, that I started wondering, God, what is going to be our reaction? What is the reaction of Christ followers? Because I think we could probably agree, at least here in Kansas, that most people who would call themselves Christians probably voted yes. Now, I have friends who are followers of Jesus that voted no for lots of different reasons and some not for the reasons we think. So I'm not going to kind of use that as a stereotype. If that's you, this is not a message for you to sit back and like, I'm, I'm glad you're setting those yes people straight because the no team won. No, sometimes hate comes out even when we win. And most of the time it comes out as arrogance, as you're going to do what I say, and this is how I think, and I'm right. But you see, when it isn't our way and we feel like, losers. Man, this is where the hate comes to the surface. And so what I did is I went out to all the news uh, Facebook pages, you know, all our local news, and I just knew there'd be keyboard warriors going at it, right? You all know them. Maybe you're one of them. If you're a keyboard warrior, um, God bless you. If you're a keyboard warrior, and so I knew Christians, followers of Jesus, would post things. And so these are real posts. This is what they posted. God will bring vengeance upon all those who voted no. May God punish all those who voted no severely. And may Jesus judge all of you. And then the last one that is just my favorite because, not my favorite because I agree, but because who types this? God hates liberals. Man, that sounds like that would come right out of the mouth of Jesus, I think, right? When we type, like, but that's about hate. You see, what happened is they felt like losers and all these emotions and the anger and all this comes out. And then you know what the craziest thing was, is people responded, but then they responded again, and the most common response from these Christians was, I am standing on scripture. I am standing up for God, because of course the God of the universe needs you on a keyboard to stand up for him. We all know that. But as I was reading that, I'm like, man, standing on scripture and then I thought about James 1.19. This is in scripture. And it says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone, that's all of us, should be quick to listen 
slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness, the goodness that God desires. I think we can agree they weren't standing on that one, were they? But you know what? I think I can agree when I saw that vote come in, I wasn't maybe standing on it either. Because I didn't go to a keyboard. You probably didn't either. Because we're nice people. We're way too polite for that. So what we generally do is we perpetuate hate in a different way. It's when we feel like we're losers. What we do is we get in circles where everybody agrees with us and we gripe about them. And we say they're the problem with the world. Anybody do that? Anybody ever done that? And I want you to know, just because you didn't do it to their face, they know. Like you know, because it's about winners and losers. And so there's these two sides and we hate each other. And you can think about issue after issue after issue. I mean, it's just, it's just what we do. And it's a perpetuator of the hate inside the church. Sometimes that hate is we fight each other inside the church as well with that kind of hate. Maybe right now you're thinking, man, this message is off to a rough start. I don't, I don't think I like it. So you're going to walk out later and you're going to be like, what would you think? Was it good or bad? And then you'll debate over that. Like that's what we do. we got to pick a side because we want to be on the winning side. But you know, when James says it doesn't produce the goodness, the righteousness that God desires, you can see that in the responses to those posts from the people who aren't followers of Jesus because they posted these things in response and these were the winners. Is they said, I guess it was God's will that the no votes won and then I'm not sure what the smiley face meant but I'm guessing it wasn't like have a great day. Then it was, I guess, all of us sinners with no hope won. Hmm. Where is your God now? And then liberals hate Christians. Man, I'm like, when I just sit in that and I see that and I think about that's just a microcosm of what's happening in our world. It is what a world that doesn't know Jesus thinks about all of us. Is they think we hate. I actually think they might be right. I want you to look at yourself. Because I asked myself this question this week. Is why is there so much hate in me. Man, there's hate right here. I feel it. And I think it goes back to this winners and losers. You see, when I was a middle schooler, I played basketball. And I played angry before the Shockers ever played angry. I'm not kidding you. I mean, 
My parents tell me, they're like, when we saw you playing, you just looked mad. And I remember one time they asked me, why do you look so angry? Everybody in the stands is talking about it. And I go, it's because to play hard and to win, I got to hate them. I've got to hate them. And so I would play like that. I'd play like I hated them. I played with intensity because we had to win at all cost. But you know, the thing about a basketball game is the buzzer goes off and the game is over and the hate can stop. But we are in a game in our culture, in our world, in our neighborhoods, in our families, and the buzzer never stops. And so the hate just continues to go on and on and on. We feel it in our family relationships, right? We feel it everywhere because we're on one side or the other and we've got to win. And I think when I look inside myself, what it's about, it is fear. It is fear. When I look at my four kids, I am fearful for the world that they're going to grow up in. We're all afraid of that. We are afraid. And so we're trying our hardest to win, to conform the world so that we're more comfortable. The problem is, is that is not what Jesus has called us to do. Now maybe you think today, like I think I've thought for a long time, that's what Jesus wants me to do. Take a stand. But you see, this winners and losers, this dynamic, we don't win well. When we win, we're self-righteous and we stick our finger in people's eyes. And then when we lose, you know, we, we say some crazy stuff. And so I want you to think about this, is why is there so much hate in us? Like God knows there's hate out there in the world. The hate that makes God mourn and sad and want better is the hate that he sees in his church, in his people. Because you see, they don't know Jesus. They don't know what kind of life. But you see, you and I know man, we just keep trying to win. We just keep trying to win. You know, it's important because here in the next couple months, we are going to be bombarded with politicians who say, I want to win, and I'll do what you want if you, win, if you help me win. How's that working out for us? They aren't the Savior. Jesus is. He's the only Savior. They can't save us from anything, I'm pretty sure, at this point. It's not going to happen. And so for us, maybe we need to step into something new and understand something different about what it really means to follow Jesus, to follow him. Now, the good news is for all of us, we have great examples in the scriptures of where we're at. The early church, by man's perspective, was filled with losers. 
You see, in their culture, they had no power. They were persecuted. The Romans didn't like them, and the Jews didn't like them either. They couldn't have won a vote to save their life if you could vote back then. There was no way it could happen. They were going to lose. But you know, we're all here. So in some weird way, they won, didn't they? Like we're here 2,000 years later for a reason because this faith of following Jesus, we're here. So we need to be curious and be open that we're doing this all wrong and we need to separate the church from hate. So today I want you to keep in mind the verses I showed you from the book of James because this idea of quick to listen slow to become angry and understanding that human anger produces bad. It produces hate. It's not the good, the righteousness. And we're going to find that the apostle Paul completely agreed with him. Now I want you to think about the apostle Paul. He was kind of a guy that he went out and got stuff done because before he met Jesus, what he did was he took up the arms of this world and he tortured and he persecuted Christians to silence them. And something crazy happened to him. Is he found Jesus and then all of a sudden he's the guy walking in and sharing Jesus with people in towns and even when he would get stoned with rocks, he would dust himself off. He wouldn't even react. I bet it hurt. I bet he felt like a loser. But he just kept following Jesus. You see, he wrote these words. That man wrote these words in Romans 12, 17 through 21. He said this, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of who? Everyone. Let's say that a little louder. Everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with who? Everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, Give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. You will kill him with kindness. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, when I read that this week and I thought about the hate that is in here, I have to be challenged. Man, I want to stand on God's word, but do I stand on that? Man, I'll take lots of stands. That sounds like a tough stand. You see, when this this kind of winner-loser thing breaks out, Jesus says something weird through Paul is supposed to happen. As we run to them, feed them, we love them. And if you win, the same thing. I don't know that I've been doing that. I don't know about you. But that's what the scriptures clearly say. 
And you see, for all of us, we have to understand that maybe we have not been following Jesus. We've been more worried about this. And you know, the reality is, you may never win another election. But you know what? The early church full of what we would call losers shows us is there's a new way to win. But you know, I think for us, the challenge is when we read these words, I was challenged with this this week at the Global Leadership Summit where a lot of our staff were at down at Interest Bank Arena. When Andy Stanley said something similar, when he read verses, he said, the thing is, is we don't think it'll work. Because if we do it Jesus' way, we won't win. Man, that, that's a problem, isn't it? Who's Lord? Who's Savior? Who's the Messiah? Or would we prefer to win? Now, I think as we dig into these words that Paul wrote, that we have to wrestle with the idea that we believe two lies. There's really two lies. The first is this. We must attack the enemy. Now, as I said, the enemy is anyone who is on the other side of you. So it doesn't really matter which side you're on for this conversation. Because we believe if someone's on the other side, you attack them. We see this at Thanksgiving in our family. My sister and I don't get along all that great sometimes, especially when it's these hot-button political issues. We see the world differently. She'll say something, and I believe God has put me in her life to set her straight. (laughs) And so as I go to setting her straight, I attack. And then you know what she does? She attacks back. And pretty soon, it's like, man, we're going back and forth. My dad, who is a person of peace, he's like, this is out of control. My mom's taking side. It goes crazy. It just goes crazy. And then by the time the pie comes out, nobody's talking to anybody and nobody's changed their position. You've been to that Thanksgiving, haven't you, right? You've been there. It's why it's hard. But you see, I forgot what Paul said. He said, do not repay anyone evil for evil. You don't try to set them straight. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. I don't want to live at peace with everyone, do you? I don't think it'll work because I want to win. How do you win a war and live at peace with everyone? You see, people talk about the culture war that is going on. And Christians, we want to win that thing. But it's like we forgot these words because we would have thought the early church was a bunch of losers. We would have thought they were. Because by man's perspective, they were. Paul even said something crazier. 
This is crazier to me. In 1 Thessalonians 4.10, he said this, Yet we urge you, brothers and sisters, to do so more and more. So more and more, not less and less, more and more. And to make it your ambition to lead a what? A quiet life. You should mind your own business and work with your hands, just as we told you, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and so that you will not be dependent on anybody. What do we do with that? Does that sound like it would work? Do you think that will work? That's in the scriptures. Like, we're supposed to stand on that. That's how we're supposed to live. Unless you want to argue with Paul, and he's not here right now. His words are in concrete for us who follow Jesus of what our lives are supposed to look like. And I'm loud. How do you live a quiet life? But you see, what the early church did is they took the commands of Jesus to love one another as Jesus loved them. They saw the Romans doing crazy things, like abandoning children in the wilderness, and they didn't start picketing, although some, I'm not saying you don't have the right to do that or shouldn't. What they did is they went into the wilderness and gathered the children quietly. You see, they weren't concerned about winning. They were concerned about following, following Jesus. Now, the second lie that we believe is this, is winning over our enemy is everything. Now, if you're like me, I've even somewhat taught my children this. I'm repenting for this one, okay? It's like sometimes when you do right, there's casualties. There's casualties of war. And that's true if you have this mindset. Because if there's a winner, there's a loser. And so when I must win, somebody might have to take it. And it might not be exactly what Jesus wants. But to win, we have to do it. You see, we compromise. And so what we do is we attack our enemies and we think we're going to have to keep attacking them until we win. And then many times in these culture wars, what happens is, is we wake up and then we win, right? It's a great example. Roe versus Wade. I had people telling me Jesus won. Jesus won. That's what they were saying. And then I had the same people telling me Jesus lost. I hate to tell you Jesus already won. He already won. And you know, we're acting like, we're like, so how do we feel? Did God come through for us one time and then he let us down? But you see, the early church always lost. And that's why these words are so important when we think about our enemy that's on the other side and perpetuating hate, where it says in Romans 12, 20 through 21, he says, on the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, what are you supposed to do? Slap him around, right? No. Feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will help, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with 
good. I think the reason we don't follow that scripture is we don't think that'll work either. Because we want to be winners. And that sounds like the path to losing. But you see, it doesn't matter if it's going to work. It doesn't matter if it's going to work in you and I's lifetime. What matters is we follow Jesus, the one who saved us, the Messiah, the Lord of all. And in the end, he is going to win. But we follow him and we do what he says. And he says, don't be so concerned about winning. And don't react poorly when you lose. You should remember, I've showed you a new win. I've showed you a new win. You see, that's what Paul is talking about, is a brand new win. And you see, when Jesus came and he walked this earth, people thought he was a loser. People thought he was a loser. The Pharisees thought he was a loser. The Romans thought he was a loser. And he was a threat to everything. And I just wonder, and I'm going to say this like crazy, I thought this today. If Jesus walked the earth today, would you and I think he was a loser? Would you and I think he was a loser? Because I don't know if you know this, if you read the scriptures, is he did lose. And he lost in silence. He didn't say a word. You see, our Lord and our Savior, who leads our life, He allowed, he had all the power of heaven and he gave it up. He lost. He could have saved himself instead of saving you and I, but instead he allowed sinful man to hang him on a cross. And he bled out weak and everybody thought he lost. Even his disciples thought he'd lost. But you see, Jesus knew he had to lose so that we could win. He showed us a new way, a new win in life. And you see, no matter what kind of culture you are in around the world, the Jesus way of following him always works. We're not special. We are called to follow him. And when he said these words, he was talking about this dynamic Jesus said this before he was hung on a cross and killed by his enemies. He said this, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. Do you think that would work? I don't know if it'll make our lives better. I don't know if it will create the world that I want my children to live in. But it doesn't matter. 
Because you see, Jesus, when you accept him, we follow him. And you see, we follow him in everything. We trust that in the end, we know that he has already won. That's what the cross, the death, burial, and resurrection declared is that Jesus already won. And so we don't have to win in this life. We can lose and sacrifice and live in peace with everyone and be slow to speak and slow to become angry and understand what God really desires for us. It's to not feel this divide, to run towards our enemies, to feed them, to give them something to drink, to love them. You see, that's the gospel of Jesus. And I'm not saying there's not a right and a wrong. There is. There is. But right now what we think is people are the enemy of right and wrong. But you see, Jesus knew where the real battle lie because Paul said this. He said that your battle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against people. It's against the rulers and the principalities of this dark world. Satan and his demons are the enemy. The darkness is the enemy. We are here as God's church to spread the message of Jesus and to set the people free. That's the mission of Jesus. And that's why this doesn't matter because he has already won. And so we need to stand on the victory that Jesus already has and live in peace. Live those quiet lives so that people are like, man, those people are amazing. Those Christians, I don't even believe what they believe, but they are the best people because when my mom died, they came over and brought me food and loved me. I thought they were my enemy. But you see, each and every one of us has someone in our life that God is challenging us with. He says, run too, as Jesus did. Now, today as we close, I hope you feel challenged. I do. I, I don't, I'm like, I don't even know how to do this. Because I've done this for so long. I don't know how the new wind looks sometimes. And so I know we need God's help to do it. So would you bow your heads as we close and pray? And ask the God of the universe to help us to be the people that he calls us to be. Father, we just come to you now. I pray that it's in a spirit of repentance. That God, that we have not followed you in the ways that we should have. That God, we've been so concerned about winning keeping our lives the way we want them to be, that, God, we forgot what following you truly means. God, I'm so grateful for the example of the early church who, by our standards, they were losers. But, God, by your standards, God, they followed you, and they were faithful. And ultimately, we're here because they lived the life that Paul described. They took his advice. They lived it and they loved. 
God, I pray that, God, you would rid our hearts of the hate for our enemies. That, God, the people are not the enemy. There is an enemy. And he is using all of this to divide, to hurt, and to destroy your name. And, God, we have, we have taken that hook, line, and sinker. And so today, God, I know that we need to repent. We need to confess to you, God, that we haven't followed you in the way that we should, that we need your help to rid our hearts of hate. And so right now, no matter where you're at, just as a confession to God that you need his help, just raise your hand right now as a sign to him that you need his help. No matter where you're at, if you're online, you can type me in the chat. Amen, so many hands. Let me pray for all of us. God, I just pray, God, that God, we have been humbled by your word today. That, God, we know that the truth of the life that's truly life that is found in Jesus is found in your word. And, God, I pray that, God, we'd step into that today. God, the culture is fighting for us to pick sides. But, God, I pray that we would understand we can have opinions. We can vote. We can support things. But our ultimate allegiance is to you and you only. God, I pray that you would unite us in that. God, I also know today that there's many in this room and many watching this. That as we've had this conversation, that maybe they've discovered something new about you. That God, they see the hate in their lives and they want the new win that is found in Jesus A new life is what Jesus offers you, a life where your sins have been forgiven. Heaven is your home and a new life right now as you follow him. All you need to do is to accept him to be the leader and the savior of your life and begin that journey. And so today, if that's you, I just want to invite you to pray this simple prayer with me in the quietness of your heart. Father, I know that I have fallen short And my sin and my shame and my guilt has separated me from you. But today, Jesus, I grab hold of the grace and the forgiveness that you offer me through your perfect sacrifice that you made on the cross so that all my sins would be forgiven and I would be free. And today, Jesus, I choose to follow you and experience the life that is truly life that is only found. Now, with everybody's head still bowed and eyes still closed, if you prayed that prayer for the very first time, I want to invite you to declare that decision to God by simply raising your hand and so that I can pray for the decision that you made. Raise your hand right now if you prayed that prayer for the very first time. Raise your hand right now. Awesome. Awesome. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you, God. For those who have stepped into a new relationship with you today, God, I pray that your spirit that now lives in them would guide them into this new life of following you. God, I pray, God, that you would guide us, guide them like you guide all of us into a new kind of life with a new win. Lord, I pray that we would have faith that as we follow you, that is the win in our world. Lord, we pray that we will be faithful with the mission and the calling that you've placed upon all of us. 
And we pray all of this in Jesus' blessed name. Amen.